Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heart-lifting journey towards living a meaningful life. One of Cheryl Kniesel's greatest possessions is her husband's grandmother's copy of Parker Palmer's Let Your Life Speak. It's drawn in, it's well-loved, and it's all marked up. Cheryl took this beloved possession with her to attend a Growing Edge weekend retreat led by Parker Palmer and Carrie Newcomer. She knew after that retreat that she really wanted to collaborate with Parker in some way, using her drawings to uplift and amplify his work in a new way. Cheryl is a graphic recorder, an illustrator, and an art educator in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. As an educator, she has focused on visual literacy. She is the founder of Meaningful Marks LLC, a graphic recording and illustration firm, and the 2018 and 2019 Excellence in Visual Journalism Award winner for her work in the Milwaukee Independent. Today, Cheryl and I engage that question. What does it mean to let your life speak. And we dive into her new book, Heart Speak, where she has more than 70 heartfelt images alongside excerpts from Parker Palmer. In this really fun and amazing and inspiring work, we explore limits and potential while listening to and courageously following our inner voice. Parker Palmer writes in the preface, I'm very excited about the way Cheryl has used her gifts of art and insight to interpret and express some of the key ideas in Let Your Life Speak. Clearly, images speak to a wider range of people than words alone and are helpful even to word people like me. He says to think of traffic signs that feature an upturned palm that clearly says stop or a snake-like line that says caution, sharp turns ahead. Images incarnate words, making them not only more accessible, but more actionable as well. Welcome to today's Heart Lift, Cheryl. We are thrilled to have you here today to talk about your work and how you have interpreted this brilliant work of Parker Palmer's. Oh, thank you. So good to be here, Janelle. I just love this work that you put into the universe called Heart Speak, a visual interpretation of Let Your Life Speak by the incredible Parker Palmer. And he helped with this book, you said. How on earth did you get this collaboration (laughs) first and Uh... foremost? What? There is an origin story to the book, and I'll, I'll give you this the shortened version. Oh. Uh, it's so exciting to be here, and and I'm glad to talk with your listeners. Uh, so I, uh, Parker Palmer, he, uh, I was introduced to him by my husband's grandmother Jan, and she was an adoring fan and gifted me his book Courage to Teach uh, as a young oh. teacher when I was a young teacher. Mm. And um, when she passed at ninety six, I, I inherited some of her books, and Parker's book Let Your Life Speak was one of them. And you hadn't and seen it before then. I had not. I had not. What an even um, greater treasure. Ugh. And it became such a touchstone for me, Janelle. Mm-hmm. I read it again yeah. and again and again through mm-hmm. the years. And so, you know, read his other books. And actually, for my 50th birthday, I gifted myself a retreat. Um, he was leading, yeah. they were called the Growing Edge Retreats with Carrie Newcomer, singer, songwriter, poet, mm-hmm. also an amazing woman. And uh I applied and spent the weekend with 28 other amazing humans uh, in conversation, listening to music um, and 
poetry and in circle conversations mm. um, with Parker and Carrie and, and other humans. And oh. I actually sketched note of the weekend, uh, meaning I listened and drew our conversations and shared them with the group. And at the end of the weekend, I was saying goodbye to Parker. And I said, Parker, we, we should write a book together. And I literally <laughs> couldn't believe I said it to him. I, I can't like, even believe you said it. That's so brave. Parker kind of like, oh, okay, Cheryl, whatever. Sure, and, I hear that 800 times a day. Yes. Went on our way. Um, and I had at the same time been doing uh, a morning meditation, a drawing practice. I call my daily drawings. Mm-hmm. And those had started uh, through a class I had took taken um, just as a December drawing challenge. And I just kind of kept going after we started. Some of the people fell off. And I was, it was during the pandemic. Um, oh. And I was looking for another quote for my morning meditation drawing. And I had realized that I had done about 20 quotes from Let Your Life Speak. Oh, and wow. I, someone said, you know, everyone has a book in them. Yes. And I I was trying to force my book, like maybe it needed to be sketchnoting for kids or graphic recording, you know, something about, you know, what I do large at meetings. And then I realized maybe, maybe this is the book. Maybe it's just leaning into this and picking 75 or 80 quotes and doing the drawings for Parker's words. It's just brilliant. I'm going to hold it up just real quick, just for everyone who watches on video. And what I love about them is they're so simple, but so profound and draw you in. Um, I thank you. I received that in conversation with um, Carrie Newcomer. She was saying, you know, Cheryl, simple. Some people take, receive that as not a compliment, but she said, I was and elegant. And, and I said, yeah, because they, the drawing, certainly for me, my process is to put everything in, like I would sketch a lot of stuff and then I would slowly remove Mm -hmm. every detail that was not necessary to get to the essence of Parker's words. And that's what I love about it. Yeah. Yeah. There was the word would be essence. I'm sorry. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I would agonize even over like, Okay, should this, you know, the tilt of the person's head or like should life's hand be on resting on the person's knee instead of on their arm? And uh, and those little decisions um make a big difference when you're working visually. So uh yeah, that that's I l- love interpreting things visually like that. Um because you're so, a visual yeah. recorder, graphic recorder. So I, go I, ahead. I, I'm not sure. I only know because I happened upon one when my third book came out. And so she was kind enough to do one for my book, even though I wasn't speaking, it was COVID, you know, I, I just gave her a bunch of thoughts and she created it into what I call now my heart lifters journey. So it's like a map, um, but it's yeah. profound work. I'm super visual. So for me, it just makes all the bells and whistles come out. So a graphic recorder does what, and how did you get into that? Just as an yeah. aside. Right aside. Uh, So I tell people when they ask me what that is, I say that I am actually a dedicated listener in the room and I happen to use images and text to capture the essence of the conversation. Uh, And that I do that work in spaces, um, education, inclusion spaces, in corporate spaces, in with nonprofits. Basically, anywhere where people are gathering and having important conversation, it could be a brainstorming or a strategic planning session. It might be, you know, a keynote speaker at a conference. So you name it, I've drawn it. (laughs) And and the fabulous thing about which I just love, love, love is that I'm insatiably curious and I happen to love to draw. And I think that sacred, that listening is a sacred act. Oh, Um, without a doubt. Yes. Yeah. So it was for me combining, stumbling on something that combined all of these things for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I always, you know, say that I'm just so honored to, you know, do this drawing or this to be in this space. But, and I, I feel like sometimes people may take that like, oh, she says that about everything, but I really do feel that way. Um, obvious recently yeah. did a, a diversity forum with UW Ooh. Madison. And wow, spent time just listening and uplifting and amplifying people doing very generative work around racism and inclusion. And yeah, yeah, so it's an honor to do that. And I think visuals are just, we all learn visually, whether we say it or not, we all Mm -hmm. take in information visually. uh, And so, so powerful. Uh, Pictures worth a thousand words. It just is. There's something to that. 
Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's very sacred work, I think. And to have you present, I think the word that you said that is most pivotal for me is amplify. Because mm-hmm. I think that's what it does. Like you're someone who has been called to really amplify those points, which means you must be very intuitive and um, sensitive yourself and spiritually attuned, I would think, to be able to be in that liminal space we've been talking about a lot in this uh, season, past season in our community here, Uh, being in making those the room in our lives for the practices of silent stillness and solitude so that we can have our ears opened and our eyes and our hearts open to hear what the spirit might be saying. So what a cool job. Do you teach it as well or? I actually teach. So I happen to still, I, um, my career, my training was in uh, art, elementary art. And so <laughs> I'm still teaching very part-time a couple days a week. And so I actually teach students, my third through fifth graders to do it because it is such a literacy tool. They must love it. They do. And you know what? Kids are natural at it. We draw before we write. I mean, we letters do. are little pictures actually. <laughs> uh, so they're fabulous at it. And really for students, I believe it's such a way, uh, just another way to demonstrate understanding and, and really for sure. personal meaning. So well, and it yeah. wires in the brain, whatever you write. I mean, that's, you know, it's electrified from your hand yes. to your head. The brain science behind it is compelling. It there. is compelling. I taught first grade. So yes. <laughs> Yeah, it is. So I do that. And then I also teach teachers. I do workshops with educators um, and I'm starting to do workshops in corporate spaces because we all need to learn to communicate visually. We do. Really, you know, it's just universal. It is. I love this so much. So let's get back to, okay, so you drop this on Parker and then you're at the point where, okay, if I maybe do 75 or 80 of his quotes. So then what? You call him up. Hey, Parker. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of did. I sent him an email during during the pandemic. I had, um, and I just said, you know, I'd like to pitch this to you, Parker. Uh, I, you know, I really think it would be fun. And I think just a different approach to your book. And I think it might bring a different audience to your work. And he emailed back right away and said, Cheryl, it is the only one of my books that I own outright. And I oh. believe that ideas are to be shared. So please have at it. Go That's ahead. amazing that he yeah. owns that book. Yeah. So he's a you know, bestseller. I don't know. It's I, it's close. Yeah. Yeah. He and he said, you know, you may have to jump through some hoops with my publisher. With the, you know, they still own you know, the book, but I have the sole rights. And so there were some hoops um, to jump through first. I bet there were. I can't imagine. Before, yeah. Before we even I even, you know, proceeded in finishing the images. Um, but I, we finally got the go ahead. He was instrumental in that. And we okay. started to meet monthly just oh. over Zoom, <laughs> just to chat and for me to give him an update on here's where I'm oh, at. So jealous. <laughs> just is such a delight and hilarious and irreverent and oh. wise, all rolled into one self-effacing. Um, mm. But yeah, so I began to draw the, the images hand. In a sketchbook, I have, I filled three sketchbooks with them. Um, I really, someone asked me, uh, how did I choose the quotes? Yes. Uh, I read the book so many times and I went back uh, and I found that I was always drawn to the same ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, Me too. I always read with a pencil, but you know, I'd go through it again and like, oh, it's already underlined. So I went through and called out the ones that I thought would be, um, would be well illustrated. Uh, And Parker's work is not literal. So it no, it is not. No challenge. There were many mornings working on it, like a Saturday morning. And I'd say to my husband, Oh my gosh, how how am I going to draw this? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I loved, I just love the process. So I finished the first um, hand-drawn images. I, uh, had some help with actually another person that had been at the same retreat at Parker's retreat, um, who happened to be in publishing, uh, mm-hmm. had um, just offered Cheryl, when you get to the point of writing the proposal, I'd be happy to, you know, coach you or send you some, you know, wow. samples. Wow. Um, his name's Jeff Crosby, and he was just Beautiful. so generous and insightful. Um, so I took him up on that offer. Uh, True creative. Book. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, we, I, 
sent it off to several and and Jeff also had some names of people he thought or our publishers he thought might be a good match, which was also helpful. Wow. Yeah. Just all fell into place because it was meant to be. There's what we call that flow, right? In positive psychology, that incredible flow that when we're really doing the work and aligning with uh, God in that way, it just tends to flow. We'll have obstacles for sure, but the flow is, yeah. You're open and flexible. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I got some, I got some good no's. Uh, Oh, you did. I was going to say, was it your first publisher or? Um, but I also just as an artist and a teacher and an educator and a learner, I asked right away, like, and, and thank you. And why, and, you know, anything that, you know, and originally I'd submitted the book as just kind of an art book, uh, just, just my, the illustration in Parker's words. And they said, well, many publishers said, we're not really doing art books. And, you know, Mm -hmm. even if you do as a blank journal, like they don't sell. I said, okay. Okay. Um, And in the meantime, Jeff Crosby actually connected me with Parker's former agent, Cheryl Fullerton. And we just had really good conversations. um, And she finally said, Cheryl, how do you want people to engage with this book? Like, what Mm do you, how how do you want them to interact? Well, you don't just get this. You you know, you don't, right? No, (laughs) I know. And I absolutely am so grateful for all of these amazing people along the, the way and the journey. Um, I'm so glad you I, followed your heart to treat yourself and to go to the retreat. You let your life speak. You truly let your life speak. And as a result of that obedience or whatever you want to call it, look what happened. That's very inspiring and encouraging in this new year to pay attention and to yield and go, what what would be good for me this year? Boy, I don't do that well. Me you know what? Either. It might be extravagant. It might be simple. It might feel like a risk. You know, where was that retreat? Was it in Colorado, Arizona? I'm thinking, no, I don't know. It was actually, it was just uh, in middle of Wisconsin. So it was only a couple hours away. Perfect. It, it is hard. Like you said, it, uh, it is hard to take time for yourself. It is. And mm-hmm. uh, sometimes we feel selfish. Um, and Parker talks about that in Let Your Life Speak. That it yeah, let's, we're going to get to that. Not selfish. Um, and that really uh, was one of the reasons I, I did the retreat. And then look at all these amazing things that have come out of it. So, yeah. And your bravery. I can't believe how brave you were. Like, that's just so inspiring. I really like, I think we should write a book. Oh, I can just, I already know who I would ask. Like, I I was in my mind going, if I was super, super brave, who would I want to do that with? It was such a fun prompt that wasn't even in the book. And I was like, oh man, you never know. Next time I'm in the room with that person. But you followed through. There's so many, so many beautiful character qualities in this story of yours as well, like perseverance and following through. How many people say, oh, we should do that. And they never follow through. You know, I hear that all the time at writing conferences from editors. That's why they say yes to so many people because only 10% or or more usually actually do the hard work of sending in the book proposal. Because the book proposal for me anyway, is harder than writing the book. Yeah. Yeah. Selling the book. Isn't it? It's a lot of mental marketing, all the things. Yeah, I am, All the things. I am finding that out. You know, it's <laughs> interesting you said that about the risk. Um, I think, it, and you said you're an educator. You know, being a teacher, especially with little kids and in my art room, uh, we work a lot with learning how to make mistakes and turn them oh. into something beautiful. Um, in fact, there's a great kids book called Beautiful Oops. And oh, just really, uh, I feel like it's, if I can't walk that walk in my own life, how can I ask my students to do that? And right. I really, um, my word, I sometimes pick a word of the year and, and it was allow that year. Oh, and, um, and I really came to, uh, wow. embrace it as a, a powerful word, even though it sounds, at first I thought, well, that's kind of a, like just allow sounds like, you know, no. not a very strong word. um, but actually it takes a lot of strength to listen and allow. It takes insurmountable strength in my mind. I, I would equate that with let letting someone do the heavy lifting, you know, like the, a lot of times people let Jesus do the heavy lifting or let God do that. I'm like, what does that even mean? 
but it means to allow, like mm-hmm. surrender, acquiesce, allow. Don't work. Like I'm a worker bee. I'm a workaholic, you know, recovering. And and that was to fulfill my worth and my to fulfill my sense of self. But, you know, Parker speaks to all of that as well. So let's dig in. All right. Because right. I could just talk about your story and it's so inspiring. Okay. Before we do that, I want to be in that dream tank of a schoolroom of yours with those yeah. little art kids. Cause I feel like it's, it's gotta be the dream room. <laughs> what do you say to them about mistakes and about failure that maybe we could tuck away for this year when we need it? Yeah. Oh my gosh. We talk very interestingly about how scientists and artists are very similar in that way, in that you need to be brave and willing to take risks. Uh, You need to be creative. And when you make mistakes, that is where the magic happens. Like that is the secret sauce of learning and creating uh, is when you make mistakes. Uh, And, and truly when students make mistakes in my classroom, I will They'll show me something and say, oh, is that, is that a beautiful oops? Or did you mean to do that? And, and they'll be like, oh, I'm as gay. Like I read my paper and, and I'll say, oh, <laughs> my, my response is always like, now what? Like I do that, like excited, like now what are you going to do? Yes. Um, and that just totally changes the energy and the emotion in a, in a moment. Uh, it takes away the shame. It's like, oh my gosh, this is a great opportunity to do something. And yeah. how, what a life lesson that is. That's massive when they're that age. Yes. It just, it really takes away shame that they don't, you don't even know what to call shame when you're a little tiny taught, you know, it's just the belittling feeling, the, the, oh, I'm no good, or I'm not good enough, or I can't do this, or I can't do that. So man, I want you to be my teacher whispering in my ear all year. (gasps) Now what? (laughs) The opportunity here. Yeah. I feel like that, it, you know, if a student learns some art techniques and, you know, what the primary and secondary colors are, great. But when they're 50 and they mm-hmm. look back on, you know, elementary art, if they remembered that it was a space that was safe and encouraging and challenging and mm-hmm. asked them to just embrace mistakes and that that was okay, just be comfortable with mistakes. Um, I've done my job. Done. Oh, yeah. It takes <laughs> it takes the sting out of it. It really does. Okay, so one of my absolute favorites, as I showed you, I have probably every other line in Parker's book, highlighted, written in, arrows with sticky notes, uh, was written in 2000, which really dates it properly for me as um, a time in my life where I was really seeking what it meant to follow Christ maybe not follow all the traditions and rituals and things of an established evangelical culture here in the Western world and what in America, but I was so hungry for the deep, for something deeper, for something. I just knew there's something missing. And I think that's what his book, that was 22 years ago, 23 years ago now. Wow. Who doesn't want to write a book that's classic like that, you know? So here's yours right next to it. So fantastic. But in your very first illustration, maybe, yeah, it is your first. It's on page 10 in the book. Yes. I'll hold it up for those who are watching. Do you want to read that while I hold it up? <laughs> it says, well, Parker's words say, before you tell your life what you intend to do with it, listen for what it intends to do with you. Oh, okay. Would you read your thoughts, please? So I wrote, I have gotten myself into trouble trying to be everything for everybody. And in the end, helping no one. I assigned self-worth only when I was doing or helping or being what someone else or society told me I should be. When I listen quietly, though, and allow for what wants to emerge, that is when I can gently hold life's hand. Charging in with expectations often blinds me to the gentle possibilities that are in a tender beginning stage. Open, breathe, stay for a moment, and receive. And the question, um, the invitation is, what wants to emerge for you? And how might you make time to nurture that new and tender growth? It's so risky. 
I remember we've talked a lot about risk. I think it's going to be a major theme here because a lot of what he encourages us is risky. Uh, I think anyway, it's my interpretation. But before you tell your life what you intend to do with it, and because that's what we do. It's actually what we're taught to do. Set your right? goals. Set those goals. Achieve, achieve, achieve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We aren't taught to listen. We're not. And you've told us that you are an active listener. You are in the room to be the one who's listening, what we would say here, listening between the lines of the words to hear the true stories that are really in there and what's the essence of what is being said. So how do we listen for what our life intends to do with us? How do we do that? You've spent a lot of time pouring through this, and I'm so curious what your heart will speak to us. <laughs> I, I, when I'm in conversation with anyone, with a friend, um, with myself, when I'm struggling, I often ask the question, where do you feel that in your body? How, yes. how are you listening with your body? Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, uh, when I listen to myself um, and something is not feeling right, I feel it in my stomach. Uh, other people oh. might feel it in their head, in their throat, in their heart. Uh, but, you know, allowing and listening go hand in hand for me. And I think, um, I think when things are right, they, they do fall into place. They do come easily. Or you can say, yes, yes, this feels, this feels like home or this feels like the right job or the right vocation. Um, so it's, it's really listening more than to sounds. It's listening to feelings, whether that's physical, Mm -hmm. emotional, spiritual. Um, those are all different layers of listening. And And that would be somatic psychology or somatic work. And so if you're heartlifter, if you're curious and you're like, I've never heard it said that way, you know, that's why the pajama company is called Soma, you know, it's like, it has to do with, with your body and, and being comfy and feeling it feels good against your skin. And, you know, I was a dancer for most of my life. And so I know now I grew up with insecure attachment and dance helped me attach to my body. It's where I felt present whenever I moved and expressed. It was like, oh, but then the minute I wasn't doing that, I felt very disconnected. But it's now that I know a lot about attachment theory and have come to understand that um, it makes perfect sense. So I want to key in on one thing you said. So for you, if something isn't right Perhaps you're striving or you're trying, you know, your ego is speaking loud. You just get a little sick feeling in your stomach. Yeah. 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 That's really good to know. Good, good for us to know of ways that we can go. Oh, oh, that's my tell. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, listen to your body. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I have found through experiences that mm, if you don't listen, sometimes your body will just start to speak louder. We know the body keeps the score. (laughs) We know it does. And it does talk really loud to us. Wow. Yes. I'm going to just stop there because I just had a total hip replacement. I've got a lot going on in my body. And I'm like, oh, you're talking to me again. Here we are again, 63-year-old body. I'm so sorry. Okay. So this year, we want to practice the skill of allowing our life to speak to us. Heart speak. What a beautiful name. What how'd you come up with that name, by the way? Uh, you know, it was a riff off of Let Your Life Speak. Mm-hmm. And uh I was it, it really just came to me when when mm-hmm. I first had like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to give it a title. Uh and I felt like I had taken in Parker's words and listened, you know, somatically. And um a lot of the drawings that came out were really heart speak for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's, it's as if our heart would speak because it does speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It does. All right, you write on page 12, true self, when violated, will always resist us 
Parker writes this, not you, but it's in your book. True self, when violated, will always resist us, sometimes at great cost, holding our lives in check until we honor its truth. Would you please read what you wrote about that? Gladly. I have learned that when I deny my true self, all sorts of interesting things happen. And that is putting it mildly. (laughs) When I push on and do what I think others expect of me, instead of listening to that quiet voice inside, I put my mind, body, and soul at peril. I learned this lesson loud and clear when I denied the stress I was under a few years ago, and my body decided for me that I needed to lay down due to back pain. I was resisting speaking up about my own needs and desires and putting my health at risk in the process. This continues to be a growing edge for me, but I listen quicker these days when my body and soul speak. Mm. The question prompt is, think of a moment when you knowingly denied your true voice or true self. Where did you feel that physically? What teachings arose from that experience? Mm. What would you share? Or will you share? I'm happy to share. Um, For me, uh, it was a time when uh, my husband was having some health issues as well. And I'm a mom and a caregiver at heart. And uh, I was checking in with everyone else but myself. Uh, And so uh, I was teaching, 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 caring, caring, caring. And it was the end of the school year. And... Uh, I was in a yoga class and I did a forward fold and felt something and that was it. And then like a two teacher, um, thinking that I was irreplaceable, I kept going for about a week. Um, you know, I remember lunches between classes laying on the floor in my art room. <sighs> and then finally, just a colleague, a friend said, what are you doing? Go home, lay down and heal. Um, wow. So I missed the end of the school year, which if you were ever a teacher, you know that Ooh. we don't miss the beginning or the end of the school year. No, you ever. do not. It was such a learning time for me in that I had to learn how to receive help. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What a life lesson. Yeah. Um, not easy so, for a caregiver. No, no, mm. no, no, no. <laughs> and again, dealing with thoughts of selfishness and mm-hmm. you know, worthiness and what I deserved and now I call that time in my life gifts of the back. Um, yes. So much. I, you know, what I learned from that experience, what teaching is that um, self-care is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. And if we deny that, we are no good for anybody. Yeah. But I also think when it relates to true self, I think that goes back to just checking in with your body. I mean, we know, we know when we're denying true self. Um, I believe we, we may- do. Mm-hmm. We give it other names. We make excuses. Mm-hmm. But if if you we keep continue. really, really, really busy, uh-huh. uh huh, really, really busy, so that we don't have to listen, right? Right. The clamor and the cacophony of voices in the world, our distractions, our digital worlds, all those things, you know. Because if and when, that's why it's so painstaking to do the practices of. Simplicity, stillness, silence, solitude, because then all that just, you got to pay attention to it. At least that's my experience. <laughs> it's that inner, you know, if you, if you can't, then there's a quote in the book too, but you know, if you, you're not going to do the inner work, the outer work really does not matter. Um, do you want to go there? Do you have that mark? Do you have so many uh, marks in your book that I want to know what everything you have marked? <laughs> mark. uh, I remember okay. the visual though. I remember the visual. Okay. I was going to say uh, from the last one on page 12, the placement of that Band-Aid, how long did that take you to go, oh, wait a minute, how do I, were you thinking, how do I show the brokenness? Oh, you tell us what you were thinking. (laughs) Okay, Julia, that was subconscious because just now I, when you held the book up, I realized I put it near the stomach. You did? (gasps) And that's where I feel it. (gasps) Oh, that's so amazing. Yeah. Well, we talk a lot about how our traumas in life are stored in our subconscious. Mm -hmm. That's a Mm -hmm. huge part of our conversation here. 
huge part of the work I do is memory reconsolidation through utilizing therapeutic oils to unlock them because they get lodged in your amygdala and you don't even know they're there and you're so conscious. How about that? How about that, Cheryl? A lot of the images, a lot of things are are intentional. Mm -hmm. Uh, I knew I wanted to have with that image an outward an mm-hmm. outward symbol of mm-hmm. hurt or yeah. trauma, you know, and so much that talk about mental health these days is mm-hmm. that, you know, it's an invisible. It's so it's a mental thorn is what I have right. heard the best description I've ever heard of it. It's an invisible you can. Yeah. And we, you know, I, like I just said, I had a hip replacement, so I had to use a walker and then I had to use a cane. Well, everywhere I went, everyone got out of my way. They opened the door. They were helpful you know, but I walk in the grocery store yesterday when depression's setting in because we had a horrible rainstorm. And I was like, nobody here will ever know that I am struggling so deeply with a black cloud that's raining over my head right now. You know, it is the um, terrible, terrible existence of having mental or emotional wounds. So it's beautiful that you put that there. And I'm so happy that it is there. Because it, you know, if if we could, we would have them all over some of us, you know. I did a course with Brene Brown. Do you know who Dr. Brene Brown is? Yeah. Yeah. Years ago when she was doing something with Oprah and it was a journaling, it was heart journaling. And um, in class. I love it. I love it so much. Have my journal from that. <laughs> I do too. Do you remember putting the band-aids everywhere? Yes. The art I'll, yes, yes. I'll put a picture out for everyone so that maybe you can do one too. And we'll just let everybody yeah. see our band-aids. So, you know. <laughs> okay. Did you find the picture? I did. It is on page 116. Oh, it's way back there. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it says, Parker's words say, if people skimp on their inner work, their outer work will suffer as well. And the image Ooh. has a person uh, all you can show uh, and their we, inner work I had a wilted plant <laughs> with the yes yes the not the receiving work. the water the sun right and the outer work is questioning if yes. people skimp on their inner work their outer work will suffer as well would you read oh. your thoughts I can always tell when I've not prioritized my own inner work I get short with others, eat poorly, and let go of moving my body regularly. Mm. It isn't until I realize that my mind is filled with spiraling negative thoughts and worries that I stop myself long enough to name how I am feeling or what I am doing. Oh, this is me feeling lonely or underappreciated. Then I can begin again to take care of myself. That often looks like what helps keep a plant healthy, enough water, sunlight, and a few gentle words. What does it look like when you are skimping on your own inner work? How might you gently course correct when you realize it is happening? Mm. How can we course correct? Are there other words of Parker's that come to mind for you on that part? Again, it really comes back to his self, his, you know, just the importance of self-care. Yeah. uh, And not being selfish. Uh, it is the most selfless thing you can do to make mm-hmm. sure that you are, you know, like they say, putting your own oxygen mask on first. Uh, and that is against so much of many of our upbringings, mm-hmm. especially as women, um, absolutely caregivers, um, you know, depending on your role in your own family. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, I think, and I would just, say, particularly in the community of faith, I'm just going to name it. You know, I grew up Catholic yes. too. So, I mean, it was good works, good works, do, 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 yes, yes, you yes. know? And so I think every wing of faith and religion has a sense of good works and doing things. And so I think for me, it, it was a huge obstacle to overcome, even using the word self, <laughs> you know, that, that was just taboo. That was yeah. just taboo. Yeah. So he does say this, and this is page 70. One begins the slow walk back to health by choosing each day things that enliven one's selfhood and resisting things that do not. I really hope that 
the fact that we're doing this at the very beginning of the new year, that this is going to be primary in my new year journal, one begins. So hear me, Heartlifter. This is a lean in here. We call this a lean in moment. One begins the slow walk back to health by choosing each day things that enliven one's selfhood and resisting things that do not. Man, I already hear naysaying in my head. I already hear it. <laughs> I already hear it. You're just so selfish. Well, not everything in life is going to be, you know, fun or not everything is going to enliven you. What would you say to that? First, read what you wrote and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> So when I choose to act or speak in a way that doesn't align with my values or soul, I feel it in my stomach. There it, goes. it starts as a twinge, and I try to tell myself it's nothing, but my body knows the truth. Shoulds weigh heavily on me, and getting curious about how I can carry my own and others' shoulds has been a way to discover simple things that bring joy. The first warm cup of coffee before the world wipes sleep from its eyes, a well-worn beloved book penciled and drawn in the margins, a vulnerable conversation with a dear friend, a kindergartner's unabashed <laughs> use of color in their art, and the pure enthusiasm of it. <laughs> what is a small thing that enlivens you? How can you resist or release one thing that doesn't? Oh, heartlifters, I really want you to take these two questions to heart. We're going to talk more about them. I want to chat over on Instagram about them. What is one, let's just say, what is one small thing that enlivens you? All right, you go first, Miss Cheryl. Uh, this, what we're doing right now, <laughs> one, one conversation um, about, about real stuff, about yeah. deep, vulnerable things is sacred for me. So me that, that fills my soul. I know that's not for everyone, but that. Oh, is, you're a teacher. You I'm know, a teacher. I'm a teacher as well. So... I, I once heard Beth Moore, and it's just the best thing I'd ever heard, really, is that you know you're a teacher, that if you learn something, you just can't keep it to yourself. And I was like, that's it. I feel so free now. That's why I have to tell everybody everything I learned about a ladybug you know? <laughs> or whatever it is. How about you? What's one small thing that enlivens you? Oh, I did it yesterday, actually. Uh, I had to have a skin cancer biopsy. Again, I've had several in the past month and it was pouring down rain, kind of like a nor'easter, but it wasn't quite that, but it felt like that. Uh, I'll be, I haven't shared the story yet, but I was on my way to get to the doctor and an ambulance came passing, flying by me with the lights on. And I flashed back immediately to a day. Now my listeners know this story where it was the day after Christmas, my mother had just been recovering from a brain tumor, 10 weeks in rehab. She got home. I got home. I remember it was a nor'easter and I was so happy she was home and I could just sit for a minute, put on a movie, eat my sandwich in peace. And the minute I sat down, the phone rang. I no, yes, the phone rang and it said mom. And I went, she's fine. I just got her home. It's all good. And then that little voice said, you better pick up the phone. Oh, it was like the lifeline commercial. I've fallen and I can't get up. And I just went. And that morning I had prayed. Why did I pray this? God, can you just give me something good today? Because <laughs> it had been months and months of just painstaking care. And so when that happened on today's Thursday, uh, we're recording on a Thursday, it happened on Tuesday, I thought to myself, I'm not triggering. <gasps> I must be healed. This is amazing. I felt sad. I felt I prayed for the person. I prayed with empathy, like help the person following them in the car because they're getting ready for a real doozy of a journey. And yet I wasn't triggered and it was just a glorious moment. And so I then went to the doctor, but after the doctor, I had planned on going to a garden center out because it's about 45 minutes from my house. So when I'm out that way, I'm like, I want to go to the garden center, but it was pouring down rain. And I thought, I don't care. I don't care. I went, I got soaked. I went in and out, in and out. And it's all, it was all decorated for the holidays. And I just, I just breathed in the aesthetics 
I took in the visual imagery. I just had, to, I was giggling, skipping, laughing, and just having so much fun. So that enlivens me. Beauty enlivens me. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the beauty of a rich conversation, the beauty of just sitting around sober macing at a table with my family for hours. But I just think for me, when I'm really like needed something to wake up my depression or my soul, I go to somewhere where I can either look at beauty, whether it's just a really fun store that's local that I love so much. And I'll just, because it's always just decorated so pretty. So that enlivens me. And I kind of just skipped the whole rest of the day, even though I was wet, I was happy and joyful on the inside. Okay. So how can you resist or release one thing that doesn't enliven you? This is the tricky part for me. Yes. <laughs> and for me, um, another question that I learned to ask um, gifts from the back time in my life was, um, is this mine to carry? Um, oh. That question has served me so well. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to hold others' emotional energy. Um, me too. Empath, so I feel that mm-hmm. energy physically. Um mm-hmm. And that does not serve me well in a lot of situations. So me either. For me, just the acknowledging and being aware of that is the first step. It uh, is. And really being honest, like, no, this isn't mine to carry. And there's really nothing I can do. I cannot fix. Like Parker says, it's no fixing, no, you know, none of that. You can do nothing. You may listen and you may just do your own work. Um, so yeah, I think acknowledging and being aware and mm-hmm. then just even asking that follow-up question of, is it mine? First of all, is it even mine? Yeah. yeah. I say that in exactly the same sentiment, but I came across it a few years ago. Everybody's business is not my business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody's business is just not my business, but here we are inundated 24 seven with social media that makes everybody's business our business, even though it looks picture perfect, that has its own set of really debilitating affects on our lives with comparison, jealousy, envy, all of those things. So, and then I would take it a step further into the scripture where, you know, Jesus had to go away. He had to go away to find out what his father's business was for his life. He was not here to help everybody. He wasn't here to carry everybody. He just wasn't. And so I think that's a very beautiful watchword again this year, particularly for those of us who are empaths. Uh, do you know anything about the Enneagram, the ancient I typing do. system? Are you a two or a four? I'm a two. I'm a two. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we come by it honestly and I live in the land of over. I overdo everything. I overcare, overcare. But I will say to that, just to speak to it a bit more, like even going back to if it's a nine-year journey like it was with my mom with having to care give. I didn't have a choice. Obviously, we always have a choice. But who's going to leave their mom? I mean, who's not going to do that? I don't know. I just knew I couldn't live with myself if I couldn't. But I learned so much in those nine years that I didn't have to do everything. I didn't have to necessarily go that extra mile all the time and not get my workout in, not get my meditation in, not get my yoga practice in. I forgot that. And the body will keep the score. So as a result of that, I have a rare esophageal disease called echolasia. And I my esophagus stopped working. It just stopped working. I have no peristalsis. And so I had to have an experimental surgery just to open the bottom sphincter. And so now I have no, it just goes by gravity. So I literally in my life had to stop swallowing everybody else's stuff. Yeah. Because I couldn't, I couldn't even swallow water. So our bodies will keep the score. And this is a watchword for us at the beginning of this year. Please hear me, heartlifters. You know, I am so grateful for you, Cheryl, for bringing this to the table. I want to visit one more, maybe two. Please. No. No, I'm 52 because it goes in line with what we're saying. Sometimes, and, and I love the illustration of this one. Sometimes the shoulds 
and we call it shouldology. You're shooting all over me. Sometimes the shoulds do not work because the life one is living. Oh, are you ready for this? <gasps> runs crosswise to one's soul. What? I'm going to read it again. Sometimes the shoulds do not work because the life one is living runs crosswise to one's soul. Okay, read for us. <laughs> Before I read, I just want to point out that Parker wrote this 22 years ago. I know. Just the staying power and the mm-hmm. the wisdom of that and how relevant it still is today is it is. It's amazing. So here, yeah, here was my reflection. I carried shoulds for a long time and still catch myself picking up some that aren't mine to carry. I've learned to check in with my body and try on a decision, like a new coat. Does it feel right? If I were to do this thing, where and how would it register physically for me? Sometimes I know immediately. Other times I feel like I have walked through a cobweb and need to brush it off, extricating myself from a yes that should have been a no. I find the phrase, not a match, coming out of my mouth. That's when I know that the decision is running crosswise to my soul. Mm-hmm. What physical feeling do you get when you listen to shoulds instead of your soul? And what is one step you can take to move less crosswise? I want to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been talking about how I we have my stomach. Um, yeah, absolutely. And uh, and I, the practice of no, I have done lots of journaling around that and how I was raised to think if you, you know, if you said, no, you were selfish, you know, Mm -hmm. help, 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 do, 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 act, act, act. Um, Sometimes, a lot of times, no can be a gift to not not even yourself to others. Because if I say yes to something that is really, I'm not, I'm just not aligned with it, then I don't do my best. I don't show up Mm -hmm. wholly. Mm -hmm. I get angry or resentful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just, it's not good for anybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think, again, just really um, being okay with a no and making sure that your yes is really Mm -hmm. aligned with with your soul and and that you, you know. So good. I get a lot of grudging, like Mm -hmm. a begrudging. Uh And it may not be verbal, but it is absolutely present in my nonverbals. You know, it's just, you you just, it's right here in my chest. And that's my, you know, it's, yeah, I might even choke. I can tell when I'm in my ease and in my flow. And I've come to understand that a calm life is a strong life. That ease is a great word and not a bad word. Flow, all the words we've been talking about today to the point where, I will get super, super tired, like exhaustion will set in. It's draining. So they are somatic symptoms for sure uh, that show up in your body. So we're just saying, pay attention this year, pay attention. And that no might take all the bravery you can muster. I know it does for me. It's easier now. I've been doing the practice of no a long time. So it's easier for me, but even, even saying no to things that seemingly sound really good, you know, are maybe even harder to practice. And I think those shoulds creep in there. Like they do. Mm -hmm. It comes up. You're like, I should want to do this. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. The should then, then maybe listen a little deeper. (laughs) Exactly. And so how to not move. How can we move less crosswise? Maybe just a practical tip that you drew from Parker or yourself when you were reading and studying. There's so much in here. My goodness. So much in this book. Oh, thank you. Um, I think it's really paying. I think to move less crosswise, I pay attention more to what brings me joy. Hmm. Um, And and I I intentionally choose what brings me joy versus what makes me happy because I think those are two very distinctly different things. Yeah. But really if you know what brings you joy there mm-hmm. are steps and and even small little movements and adjustments you can make mm-hmm. to, 
to be less crosswise. Yeah. And if per se, it's someone, I'll just go back to my journey with my mom because it was just painstaking. It was so daily and so difficult and so, so difficult. We had a very complicated relationship and she was hard to be around. And I learned on that day of following that ambulance in the Nor'easter, oh, that's funny, God. So this is your idea of good. I just remember getting super angry, as angry as I could muster as a two, as a, a pleaser. <laughs> As angry as I could, you know, because God forbid I get angry and and make God mad. But that day, I just, he just all day long, he was like, yes, I'm redefining your definition of good, my sweet girl. I sat in the chapel. It was a very long day. Went all day through the night. I walked through, it was a Catholic hospital. So there were just words on the wall, compassion, love, peace, joy, faithful. And I thought, this is just hysterical. Yeah, I, I just love this. This is fun. And then, of course, the two chaplains came in and they were just angels. And so now I do use that as a, a marker in my life that even if you are in something that perhaps you cannot get out of, right, that is not joyful, God will bring you joy. He will show up. There was a custodian, a female, a beautiful woman, and I would open the elevator and I would walk out and she go, there you are again. Well, girl. God is going to show up for you and he's going to show out today. And I'm like, I don't even know who you are, but you are a gem. And I mean, she was just amazing. So peppered along my path, right? Because I was aware, because I'm in tune and I'm trying to really do my best, right? I just am like, I want to please God. I want to make, I want to make life even in its hardest places a little softer, he sends his people, he sends angels, he sends birds, he sends beauty. He sends you, he sent us you, Cheryl, to just open our hearts and let our hearts speak to us. And I I am beyond grateful for your presence here today. Thank you. I, I'm so and and same to you. I'm just so honored to to be in conversation with you and uh and to just share the book and and <laughs> see where it makes its way into the world. It's going to make its way. It already has made its way, but it's going to keep keep making its way. Honestly, I would love to have you back. And I the invitation is open anytime. Uh, I would just love to have you here on a monthly basis. You're just right. amazing. Well, I'm game for that. And, yeah, and I'm hoping to, you know, just like we're using the book to just step into deeper and meaningful conversation. I'm hoping to facilitate workshops with the book. Um <gasps> Uh, and okay, uh, you heard it here first. So hopefully in the new year, um, I'm dabbling with some, you mm. know, in person and then maybe some online, um, just yeah. to see. So I'll I'll pilot things, test, you know, test it out. Yes. But um, I will certainly reach out once those are in place. So well, heartlifters, um, I'm gonna do some work behind the scenes, see what we can do here. <laughs> yes, I am. I am hungering and thirsting for something live and in person because it's been three years since I've done anything like that. And I've been nervous and a little afraid. So I'm going to work through my fear and let my heart speak and then let my life speak. And we'll see what we can bring uh, bring to the table here, Miss Cheryl. So tell everyone quickly, where is the easiest place to connect with you and get this work of heart? Absolutely. Uh, so my website is meaningfulmarks.net. And uh, there's a HeartSpeak page there on my website. Um, and HeartSpeak is available anywhere books are sold. InterVarsity Press, the publisher, they're, they've been the speediest um, recently oh, getting them wow. out. So, um, it's a great press. Yeah. I'm so happy yeah. you're with Ivy Press. Yeah. Thank you. Thank I think you. we'll be giving away some books. I'm feeling really generous right now. <laughs> Very happy I'm, to. I'm certainly all over social media, just at Cheryl Knezel on Instagram, Twitter, okay. Facebook. Um, so please feel free to reach out. You know, if you get the book, I'd love to hear how, what, what resonates with you, how it, how yes. it, um, are you using it? And write a review. That's so important on that Amazon to write a review, this. please. Yes. We beg you heart lifters, <laughs> Cheryl, and I beg you to write reviews of our books. It's yeah. so helpful and it helps increase the influence. It really does. It just helps increase the influence. And I want everyone around the world to have this book of yours. It's so good. So I will just talk to you soon. And right. see you later. I'm not saying goodbye. <laughs> Until soon, I say. Until, Until soon. soon. I like that. <laughs> okay. Thank, thank you. you.
Okay, Heartlifters, we went long this time, but I am not sorry. I wanted to keep this all in one part because I feel like it's a meditational exercise that you can return to again and again, all in one place. So our prompts for this week, it was hard choosing. There were so many to choose from, but I'm going to choose this one. What is one thing that enlivens you? And how can we release something that doesn't enliven us? So I will see you over on our Facebook Friday chat on Zoom, and I can't wait to hear from you. Until next time. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairdon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.